0: Seconds to go, 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39, it's third down. Three receivers right, field and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right
1: side, caught by Diggs. Oh my, God, oh my God, 30. No. Oh my God! 30! No. Touchdown! Are you kidding a me? finish! It's a Minneapolis miracle. miracle! Step on Diggs! And the Minnesota oh my Vikings my. have walked up. On the New Orleans Saints! It's a 61-yard Minneapolis miracle! I can't believe what I just saw, Kyle! What an unbelievable play! That was the Minnesota miracle. This is the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you... Yes, you... In the game, that was Woo! quicker than I maybe expected. Well done, buddy. Thanks. Um, uh, yeah, this is the grand show. Will Gavin, Olly Hunter, and Matthew Sherry, all on the same show. It's a rarity. What a, what a treat! What for a time to, to be alive. How was skiing, you sexy little gingery man?
2: Ah, oh, skiing was great. Austria is a brilliant country, lots of alcohol, lots of skiing, sore limbs, sore head but refreshed and ready to take on 2018
1: I love it I love it Uh, is it expensive are you up for some uh... what sorry is it expensive are
3: you you up for some skiing in Minnesota Ollie Will Gavin
2: it was sort of expensive but it's fine and Matthew Sherry yes I would love to go skiing I've I've already planned to take my goggles and ski socks although we're going to have to take ski socks and things because it's going to be so cold but, yeah, I'm up for it. I'm up for it.
3: Always up for it. Uh, also, judging from the email we received today, we can go late-night skiing, which I imagine would be amazing.
2: Late-night skiing is awesome because they light up the slopes. Uh, it's dark el- everywhere else. It's it, Late-night skiing, I've done it before, is awesome.
1: So yeah. I once, um, while in France on a school trip, because I'm that middle class, Uh, went skiing and um, we got to do um, sorry well but
3: how is that middle class
1: oh come on I also went skiing yeah come on well you are you're middle class Matt you're just northern that's you can (laughs) be middle class and northern (laughs) (laughs) those two things those two things are not mutually exclusive in any way shape or form Um, come on the school ski trip is a, a very middle class thing surely
0: yeah it is
1: Particularly the particularly the to the Alps school ski trip, where he did the 24-hour coach trip or whatever, rather than the uh, posh ski trip, which was like, oh, well, we flew to Bump for our school ski trip. That's when you know that well, they've we, taken we, a step above.
3: We, we did fly for our
1: school ski trip. You might have flown, but did you go to Canada? I just named a Canadian uh, resort. <laughs> no, yeah. of course not. You went to we Canada? Went to no, but I'm saying that I know really? people who went to posh schools who went to Canada as a school ski trip. Yeah, that's not middle class, that's middle upper, isn't it? Exactly. That's what I'm saying, buddy. Come on, get in the game. Um but anyway, I went get with you in the game. We got to uh we we got to <laughs> ski. We got to night ski but with flame lit torches going down the slope. Um I mean you all had to like ski in very uniform file in one like line going down, but it was still awesome. Particularly when you're like 14 years old, and you're like, I have fire! It's night! I'm going to go and drink some booze! It was the best. Yeah. Yeah. Does Does this mean you're also up for Minnesota skiing, Willie? I'm not sure I'm going to go skiing on the Monday, if that's what everyone's plan is, because uh, i uh, like just been putting together exactly how much going to need to do in the early part of the week, and... Um, I might have been—I might have convinced Talksport today to let me do my Monday into Tuesday show, which has now been confirmed as a permanent show for me. Hooray! Finally, only took them three months. Um, uh, They—I might have convinced them to let me do that show from Radio Row. That way, I don't lose out on any money. So, um, are, you
3: call, are you calling? Are you calling? Not sure the Will Gavin show as well as this one that we're recording right now.
1: No, I will not be calling it the Will Gavin Show Although I will be uh, openly inviting anyone who's there To come and join me for an hour or so on air With no promise that there can be recompense Other than me buying you a few beers But thumbs up
2: Sorry mate, scared (laughs) And then opening night Opening night
1: Yeah, that's the thing I I I don't know how it will clash with opening night But it'd be great if we could do something Like, maybe I get a budget to do, like, an hour's NFL at kind of 10 p.m.-ish our time, so kind of 3 or 4 a.m.-ish U.K. time, and we do um, maybe 4 till 5, so that's, what, 11 till 12? You're just saying uh, numbers now. (laughs)
2: Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> what is saying, going on? You're just saying numbers, you're doing a a, a programme <laughs> eating in your head just for you. You announced only to you that you've got a show which has been confirmed. <laughs> Do you care, Matt? I don't care. Does any the don't care. Less. So what are you doing? What is this? What is this right now? Is this is this a, a self publicising thing but only for you? Are you just I... building yourself up on this podcast just for you? I don't, I have a I don't, what is this is this a vehicle for you now
4: I have it a is. it feels
2: like it. Is. love the way you said now I love the way you said now as if it I hasn't know, been for I the know last the... three years I know I know it's unbelievable really unbelievable
1: I've never been more hurt in my life
3: well uh I, I'm up for if... both skiing Monday and potentially Friday night Ollie
2: uh, I'm up for doing everything <laughs> oh. As many people are aware. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, Will. Are you okay? I'm devastated. I
1: have I have achieved a true bucket list life goal moment of getting my own show.
2: There we go, I faded him out. Um <laughs> <laughs> That was awesome.
1: <laughs> You've <have> killed me. <laughs>
3: I'm so sorry. What, what? Huh. What what channels the show on will and, and what's it called? Is it called the Will Gavin Show?
1: I'm not. am not talking about it anymore. Let's talk about head coaching records <laughs> or divisional round weekend games. I have literally only woken up ten minutes ago. I do not understand what's going on. Really, I'm very tired. <laughs> we,
3: we, we're recording. We're recording the Will Gavin Show, mate. That's yeah. what's that happening.
4: Yeah,
1: so... <laughs> in mate. association with touchdown trip, getting Gavin in the game. Getting Gavin in the game. What? <laughs> but... Getting,
2: Getting Gav, Gav in, in the, the game. game. Yeah. There you go. Great. Yeah. That's Pretty... great work. You've buddy. even turned the slogan into part of your name.
1: I mean, you turned the slogan into well, part no, of my name. I think but... you find it was definitely you. What? We've literally just recorded that. <laughs> we have a record that it was you that did it. Look, listen back. It was, it was you. you.
3: It was you, Will. <laughs>
1: He's the one who worked out how to get my name into it in a sexy way, though. Gav you, in the game. You
2: were doing it at the same time, if, if, if anything, you know slightly before.
1: I, I never yeah, would have You literally were the one, Will. This is unbelievable. Right, God, can we talk sh- about some football?
2: Let's talk about some football before, we'll about we, all, the... before we
1: all fall out. <laughs> we'll, t- we'll talk about the NFL head coaching vacancies coming up shortly, but we should start off by talking about what was a 75% brilliant weekend of NFL action uh, and the New England Patriots um, we should get a load of the cliches out of the way about how the conference round is Tom Brady with his five Super Bowls and four, three other quarterbacks with five playoff starts between them and all those other stats they're going to get really boring come Sunday evening um, but I think we've got a really exciting slate of, uh, of uh, championship games coming up and uh, let's start off let's kind of go a bit reverse ordery because i think we should start on sunday night where despite the fact we'd had what felt like a stone cold classic sunday afternoon in the afc oh. second oh. divisional game yeah. It's somehow, at halftime, when the Minnesota Vikings are 17 nothing up and the Saints haven't been able to really move the ball and they've been getting to Drew Brees, the pass rush has been working, he's not been able to get the ball out quickly enough, the running game hasn't really been firing, the Vikings' defense is just really doing exactly what we said it does, doing the simple stuff well, stopping them on third down, getting them off the field, and you're just thinking, well, this is going to be the second blowout in two days. What happened in the second half? I literally, there were so many major moments in that Saints comeback. There were 17 nothing up late in the third quarter. The Saints then should have won that game, only for one of the greatest moments I've ever seen in American football. I mean, what was everyone? where was everyone when that Stefan Diggs touchdown happened? What was the reaction? Because... I was with Paolo Bandini and there was actual genuine stunned silence for about 30 seconds after it happened. And when that's me in a room with somebody and there's no one talking for 30 seconds, that is a shock.
3: I, I was also pretty silent. Like, I've had some squeal moments in my time where you just go, <laughs> 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 when something happens, but just complete <laughs> and utter shock. Unbelievable. I was sleeping, however.
2: <laughs> When I watched the, the highlights well, I, look, I'd gone straight to work after coming off a plane, after skiing and after being wrecked a whole week, so I was I was knackered. Went home, slept, but I watched the highlights as I was late for work going into going into work. I watched the highlights on the on the on the train. I knew what had happened because I'd got about 200 missed WhatsApp messages. I knew what would happen, what had happened, but even on the train, watching the highlights, I went, oh, my God, I can't believe that! So, to which a lot of people looked around and uh, thought I was a complete weirdo. But, uh, yeah, that's what—that's where I was when I saw that play. What a play, though. What a, like, it, wow.
1: I mean, wow. Um, can we just say, can I say what, Maybe my favourite moment of this whole weekend was, and it wasn't the Stephon Diggs touchdown. It was on Monday uh, morning when the New Orleans Saints arrived back in New Orleans about 1 a.m. at the airport, local time. You've got a player in Marcus Williams who. Has had a great rookie season. It's, it's, you know, in a way, it's been eclipsed by the fact that they've had the defensive rookie of the year and offensive rookie of the year on the same team, and also Ryan Ramczyk, who ended up being a brilliant pick on the same team. Four really high-performing starters uh, on on that Saints team. Marcus Williams has been brilliant this year, and let's not forget he's also the player who at seventeen seven picked off Case Keenum in order to make this game as exciting and as tight as it was at the end. He made a horrendous mistake on that play and you can argue whether or not he was trying to avoid the penalty, whether or not he was, uh, you know, he just completely misjudged the pass. He was trying to get the angle on the sideline to make sure he got him down in bounds, which would have killed off the game. You can debate that till Kingdom come, but he was a rookie. He made a mistake. We got reports of him breaking down on his way back to the locker room, crying in his locker and when they arrived back into New Orleans at 1am on Monday morning the road was lined with fans, with signs which said, love you Marcus, number 43 is the GOAT, thank you Marcus just an outpouring of love for a guy who clearly had cost this team essentially a place in the NFC Championship game and many would argue the Super Bowl based on the opponents next weekend and I just spoke to that city of New Orleans that we all fell in love with while we were there, that there was no pitchforks and there were so
3: many fans there? Say again? Who knew there were so many Vikings fans in New Orleans? Big surprise <laughs> very to see that.
1: Very good, very good. But I just thought that was really cool. Like, considering... Some, sums up the people in terms of what we saw
3: as well. Like, probably the friendliest as well as best city. I think we all agreed that we'd ever been to, so not a surprise for us. I think
1: that little bit of faith in humanity, and for a guy that can probably go on and have a really good NFL career, that can sometimes be one of those moments that that ruins a career a little early on, and it and it doesn't. And it, I just thought it was great. I was really, I loved it.
2: Yeah, but he should have should have made the play. Uh, oh yeah, of course he, he should uh, have. It was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, the fact that he is a, a lot. One in a long, long, long line, hundreds, maybe thousands of NFL players that don't know how to tackle properly. Wrap the man, get your arms round the man, bring the man down. That's all he needed to do. However, fair play to Diggs not stepping out of bounds. Um, fair for play. Me, to- for
1: me as well, it was about situational football, which we talk about this so often, where, you know, uh, whether it's. The Panthers picking off that pass which cost them so many yards in field position which could have been the difference in that in that game against the, the Saints in the previous round whether it's, you know just guys not knowing uh, what the situation is what the timing is everything else you've got to in that situation know right I've got to give him uh, I'm not going to necessarily be able to hit him in the air here he's high pointing the ball I'm worried about the penalty don't then charge underneath him stop let him catch it, put him down in bounds. Yes, they might get to the line and, and spike it and have like a 54-yard attempt, but you've kind of got a back that you're going to be able to stop, that that's not going to go through. It's a much higher percentage chance than if you give them the penalty, stop the clock, add the 15 yards, and then they just nail a gimme.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I totally yeah. I totally agree. I mean, the it was really the game was in, of course it was incredible and the, the the way the Vikings went up early and um, then the Saints coming back and the swings and, and, and I say the roundabouts but the swings both ways of the pendulum but uh, Matt Sherry, what did you think of uh, Drew Brees and the way that it, he struggled in the first half and then came back in the second half and okay they're going to say very likely that he's going to come back next season even, although he's a free agent but doesn't still quite have that deep ball threat and we saw that with one of the picks but he's still one of the greatest ever right
3: yeah without a doubt and he's still one of the best currently doing it especially now that they've rounded the cobbler beds the point where he's game as is at this point of his career because he isn't what he was but he is he's evolved his game and become what he needs to be at this age with kind of diminishing arm strength and it's working. I mean, my, my big takeaway of the whole game and, and Breeze kind of embodied this was we've seen some really good playoff games this year but I think we've seen a lot of really good playoff games where it's been good and entertaining because of how comical some of the things that coaches have done and yeah. players in certain instances and for all the Williams play isn't a good look for him it's a heat of the moment thing it's easy for us to say should have done this this and this I mean you've got half a second to make a decision and and I didn't think that was I almost saw that was an unfair way for it to end because I saw this playoff game as just a great game between two very good well coached teams and that's what the playoff should be it's what ultimately it, it, it isn't often, often enough at the moment and I think outside of maybe a couple of stupid challenges from Sean Payton this was a great game and a great chess match between two of the best coaches in the NFL in Sean Payton and Mike Zimmer and, and the way Payton came back and the the New Orleans offence came back in the second half with some help from their defence and special teams admittedly I thought it was just great to watch transfixed I would say for the second half and, and for most of the game because I thought that the first half was was equally interesting I mean New Orleans moved the ball in the first half they just had costly turnovers I mean the, the big interception that you mentioned on the deep ball that would have been a touchdown there was another interception in the red zone I thought this was a back and forth chess game all the way through and it's what playoff football should be
1: um, I, I apologise if you just mentioned this play because I was replying to an incredibly important email about equipment so we can actually broadcast from the Super Bowl I um, <laughs> wasn't just wi- about the Will Gavin show the, yeah, but, but yeah, thanks, of course. thanks for letting us know what you were doing yeah, yeah, no. Well, I key. just wanted to. Key. I did, I wanted to be clear that uh, I was being rude for good reason. Okay. Um, fine. the um the did we mention the Willie Sneed overthrowing Alvin Kamara by a yard and a half? And if he had thrown that ball, where Kamara could have caught it, it was pretty much a guaranteed touchdown, and the Saints would have won anyway. No, but you did so. One in fairly. like what an insane moment that was. And on third and one, not I like. Well, those once if that works, we we you know talk about Sean Payton getting his cojones out and doing something really impressive again in the playoffs. When he's not always a head coach who who does get that situational stuff right, but there there was a feeling to me that third and one, you've got Alvin Kamara. Yes, their defense has been pretty stout, and then you've got Drew Brees, who I so far has been and okay. Tom Brady didn't have to go up against the stoutest of opponents on Saturday night, but Drew Brees is so far, if you account week 17 as well, which was essentially a playoff game, week 16, he's been the most impressive player down this December January stretch uh, at any position for me. Um, and didn't have a good first half, but he had a good second half. You took the ball out of his hands and I was just a bit like, just let Drew Brees throw it. Just, I reckon he could have found Alvin Kamara uh, on a wheel route with coverage and you would have been fine.
3: It's, it's one of them though it was such a brilliantly and beautifully designed play that you it was a great play call but I just think I agree with you that it was at the wrong time do it on second and three you know what I mean when if it doesn't work then you've still putting the the ball in Drew Brees' hands but but ultimately it's one of them as you've just said if they complete the pass and I'm sure what they said on commentary is true that it's it gets completed in practice every time it looks like a masterstroke doesn't it
2: yeah it does uh, a couple of things from the Minnesota point of view Stefan Diggs stepped up in a, obviously in, with that final touchdown in a massive way but when Adam Thielen is, is the num- clear number one and he's getting covered by Marshall Lattimore who had a really good game uh, Diggs Diggs was uh, the perfect foil to that and really impressed with him Case Keenum okay he had a couple of floaters a couple of those which uh, were how do, we, how do you say in P- PFF terms or or other people's terms interceptable but uh, turnover worthy turnover worthy and they were um, a couple of floaters and, the, and uh, the interception wasn't a good throw either into, into that coverage but you know it, he's still got the job done and it looks like this team is utterly playing for him and on defensive wise a number 22 who I absolutely love and the only reason why I would want the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl because otherwise, it will be, be awful. <laughs> it will be awful as a Packers fan to be in Minnesota where the Vikings have a chance of winning it on their own turf against the New England Patriots. Uh,
3: it's Is this when you're going to support the Patriots with me, Ali? Oh, I love this.
2: It's a lesser of two evils, but I love Harrison Smith. <laughs> he had a sack, a tackle for loss, seven tackles in the game. I just love everything about this guy, how he balls, how he plays. I'm a big, big, big fan.
1: I am um, I'm uh, I I'm very much in anyone but the Patriots mode right now obviously. Um but uh, uh mainly just cuz of my dislike of Matthew Sherry after his horrible horrible comments to me. Uh but the um I, I do there is a chance that we could see a Super Bowl rematch in London which is pretty exciting. Um uh, that's, you, that's
2: what I want. I want the Eagles Against the uh, the Jags, that's exactly what I want. I don't, but that is that great. is the, That would be ultimately brilliant.
1: That is the worst matchup, and and I think my concern is with the Jags, and we'll, we'll talk about the two FC games shortly. But my just my concern is there's going to be a collapse of this dream at some point. And if they don't get blown out by the Patriots this weekend, and somehow turn in a performance like they did against the Steelers, and and scrape a, another fantastic win is the Super Bowl the moment that it all comes crumbling down and we end up seeing a blowout Super Bowl. I'd rather see another great game with the Patriots in it than a bad game with the Jags in it. Is that bad? Uh, Yeah, No, I mean, I I think that from a...
3: Forgetting that everybody wants the Patriots to lose because they're sick of them winning, I think from a a fully neutral perspective, if you don't want Vikings against the Patriots, then you need your head looking out.
1: Because it's so obviously...
3: The best I, I matchup.
1: It, love the story of the Jags there, though. I like even just but the, not just but the, the Vi- London the thing. But I love would, the team. The Vigans would absolutely steamroll the
3: Jaguars. They really would. I, I think. I think Mike Zimmer, Bill Belichick, Brady against that defense is just an unbelievably good matchup from from a game perspective. If you want a good, a great Super Bowl between two very good teams it's those two especially now the Steelers are out because for all the Steelers are a farce in their own way as you saw in the game against the Jaguars they've got so much individual talent that they can make an amazing game out of a, a farcical coaching staff and, and they could have done that again but listen I think I think the Patriots-Vikings is easily the best matchup and I, that's what I'd be wanting if I was a, a, from a pure neutral pers- perspective
2: I, sadly, though, Matt, I don't think there are any pure neutrals when the Patriots are in with a chance of going for it. Either you're in the the, yeah, it's the, true. the Jags camp, sorry, either you're in the, the Patriots camp or you're in the anyone but the Patriots camp. And I, you
1: know, yeah, there's there, there's going to be very rare. I mean, that you know, the Patriots because of their level of success will always garner a level of either jealousy or people wanting the underdog to win or however you want to approach that that position, but. Um, you know, I, there is also the fact that we do all root for an underdog, and and Jags Patriots is kind of it's as underdoggy as it gets for an AFC Championship game. A yeah. team who haven't been to the playoffs in ten years and have been perennially bad, and young and up and coming, etc., going up against the big old bad behemoth uh, of the Patriots. Um, let's uh, let's rewind because we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves Should we talk about the other NFC game and who the Vikings are going to be going up against oh by the way the other reason you want to see a Vikings Patriots Super Bowl just the last point on this game have you all watched the from the Vikings Twitter account the sideline cam of the um, of the Diggs touchdown to win the game no No. If you you think that Sherry's video of the sidelines and how loud it was at that college game you were at is loud, go and watch that. I've never heard anything like it, and including those college games that we've been at and you were at. uh, I think Minnesota fans after the like the the harsh reality of how snake bitten that franchise is over their years in the playoffs and four times in the Super Bowl with having never won it I think people will pay four, five, six seven thousand dollars to get into that game and it will be a Vikings home game and it would be an incredible atmosphere to be in
2: and you can still get there with touchdown trips getting you at the Super Bowl yes you
1: beautiful that was lovely um Great work, buddy. Um, so, should we talk a little bit of Falcons, Eagles? Um, a bit of a more attritional game compared with our, our couple of other close games for the weekend, but still a, a cracking way to kick it off. And um, I just I think what I'd say from the off is, the Eagles, with with two weeks to prepare, came out with a, with an offensive game plan and with a an defensive game plan, and between the coordinators between Doug Peterson and between Jim Schwartz they nailed it they absolutely nailed what they needed to do can they do it again with a week's notice going up against the Vikings I'm not so sure but you know they did their job and they're through to the championship game
3: yeah I mean I think their offensive coordinator Frank Reich must have a lot of friends in the media because if, if you if you listen to what people said you'd think you'd have thought they put 50 points on the board but what they actually did and this is why nobody deserves singling out for credit outside of maybe Doug Pe- Peterson is they they created a complementary game plan didn't they I mean the the style of defense that they played complemented the offense and, and and they were very effective with it I mean it was a great win for them um and I think this game could be closer than people think this week because I think they can adopt a, a similar game plan to, to what they did here the only thing I'd say is that I just thought this game said more about the Falcons than it did the Eagles in that the Falcons haven't been a great team all year I think they're very talented and I think that's why they got to the point that they did but it catches up with you in the playoffs their offense is a joke um, they need to figure out what they're doing with that and and as an Atlanta fan you've just got to be disappointed that you couldn't line up this year's defence with last year's offence because I think that's a Super Bowl team but I think they're a decent way from that at the moment
1: I think you're right on the idea of the um, you're right on the the fact that the offence did only put 15 points up and people were acting like they'd put a 50 burger on the Falcons um, and I do think that the Vikings with the film of last weekend combined with the the ability of that defense, I would fully expect to be able to shut Philadelphia down. Know it's, not the, it's not the most, you know, explicitly out there game plan in the world. They didn't come out and, you know, uh, you know, do what we saw Washington do over recent years on offense and come out something really complicated or do what the Rams did this year. It was pretty basic stuff. It was just really well executed and, and, you know the right plays at the right time etc you're right you're right about the Falcons though the Falcons only scoring 10 points with this previously much vaunted offence and I think a lot of people were talking about the Falcons because they would got those wins over their divisional rivals because they've got the win last weekend as being a team that were quote unquote back and I think we fell into that trap a little bit and thought that you know after the performance against Carolina this could be a team that you know shocked the world and go to the Super Bowl from the sixth seed and they kind of regressed back to what they were Against a really good defense, and well, and that's um,
2: it. Will it? It really was a really good defensive performance from the Eagles. Sacked Ryan three times. They pressed. They got to him fifteen times. Countless other pressures. There were eight tackles for loss. So this this uh, Eagles front seven, and then the secondary getting involved with the pressures and the blitzing as well. I thought defensively, the Eagles played a perfect
3: game. And the the only the only thing I'd say is. Uh, I don't think the Eagles' defence is as good as people think it is. And I think it got exposed a little bit after after Wentz got injured in that Rams game, and then I think it was the Giants game after that. I, I just think that this is the Falcons' offence and what it's done against any good team this year. I mean, the Patriots nearly shut them out, and the Patriots are a good defence now, but they're not shutting a great playoff team out. Good defence, you know. I mean... This is what the eagle, uh, the falcons, have been every time they've played a good team this season. They're and, just terrible offensively,
1: uh, and they matched up well as well. The eagles, in terms of where they had strength. <laughs> Matched up and where they were, where they are weaker, maybe in the linebacking core, for example, proved to be not so much an issue. We thought that could be where the Falcons attacked them. We thought they could use Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman and attack those linebackers, and they didn't do they didn't do that. And Steve Sarkeesian has to take some of the blame for for reverting back to what we saw earlier in the year from him from a play calling perspective. But and, and especially well, saw
2: on that on that, uh, that final play. Fourth mm-hmm. and two.
1: Well, the it final was... four plays. Yeah, but
2: the that... final four play, but the culminated in the in the very final one as well. It was just abysmal play calling and abysmal execution, don't you think?
1: But, but, Matt but, Ryan I mean, is uh... a quarterback. Matt, Matt Ryan is a quarterback who uh, reads the reads the field post snap and progresses through his reads as well as almost any other quarterback in the game. And what you've done there is forced him to roll out, shut down half the field, not offered him a throwback option completely put it into uh, like a congested traffic situation it was terrible considering what you've got on the field it just didn't make any sense at all and it was after a couple of pretty bad play calls before that as well but just to finish off on the, the, the previous point the weekend before we were asking was it aaron donald just having a freakishly good performance and it i mean there was an element of that of course the guy is a freak um but the interior of their line going up against an equally good, <laughs> uh, not an equally good, but a great tandem in, in Fletcher Cox and, and Timmy Jernigan, they, they got shut down again and, and Matt Ryan had some real problems. So there are issues for the Falcons. Injuries are part of that, but there are clear... Some of these teams were looking at them and going, bit of bad luck, came up against a team they matched up really well against, not a huge amount they need to improve for next season. The Falcons definitely have some areas which you look at and uh, think... Uh, they they can improve there.
3: One of the big areas, Will, is the head coach. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all well really a good criticising Steve Sarkeesian, but you know, this is two years in a row now where Dan Quinn has basically seemingly allowed the head coach to just take control in these end of game, last minute situations. He's got to he's got to be as culpable as anybody with the play call at the end of the game. Similar to when we get on to Tomlin and the Steelers play calls.
1: Yeah. Let's see. So um, uh, is there anything anyone else wants to get off their chest about this first, uh, NFC game of the weekend?
2: No, I'm happy. Oh, uh, London born fumble boy, uh, London born
1: fumble boy. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm a big a fan solution. of that. You're welcome. That's very funny. Right. Um, just a reminder, when it comes to touchdown trips, they do still have Super Bowl packages. And I maybe got a little bit defensive on Facebook because we posted about their Super Bowl packages and went, oh, for that sort of money, that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it started but to be, kicking off. It is a, it is you were right. A full grand... You were right
3: to get defensive.
1: Yeah. It's a full grand cheaper than any other package I've seen out there. Two or three grand cheaper the most. It is, it is about approximately... Um, three or four hundred pounds more expensive than the cheapest american option i've seen and that american option doesn't include any flights transfers anything like that it's just those are three nights in a hotel and, and the game ticket so it's a really good deal and i know it's a lot of money but when it's like a bucket list item i know you might not be able to do it this year at short notice obviously and none of us probably could but um do save up and go one year because it will be really worth it. And touchdown trips do have by far the cheapest deal out of any of the UK uh, any of the UK options. But they do also have some really good um really good chat if you, if the Super Bowl is too expensive for you, they have championship packages up right now. Uh, the NFC Championship Eagles Vikings flights from Heathrow, 3-night stay at the Sheraton, award-winning pre-game tailgate with inclusive barbecue, beers, soft drinks, entertainment um tickets for the game, transfers included starting at £1,350 per person same for the AFC Championship game starting at £1,220 per person, I know that's no chump change as well but to go and see your team play in a championship game if you've got a bit saved up or whatever that is a really, really good deal and it's It's, well worth going It's not a whole lot more
3: expensive than a weekend in London for one of the games, is it?
1: (laughs) I mean I don't know about that, but it is but it is a very good deal. I mean maybe.
3: If right. you if you stay if you stay two, three nights in London you're looking at what? Four fifty minimum on hotels, hundred and fifty for the train, a couple of hundred for a ticket, you know it's an extra three or four hundred quid to see the second most important game of the season. It's 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 good value.
1: Yeah. And and in a couple of great cities in Philly and Boston and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's well well worth checking out. So touchdowntrips.com forward slash playoffs. Getting you uh, in the playoffs. We'll we'll find you there. Right, let's take a quick break and then come back and talk about those two AFC games. Uh, you're listening to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. I just uh, the Gridiron Show just came out in one kind of syllable there of a mess. I don't know what happened. Um, the uh, I, I want you to know, both of you, that I am in bed doing this, and it's one of the most glorious things I've ever done. Would you I'm Would
3: adorable. you agree? It'd be so much easier to just say the Will Gavinshaw, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: not not if you're Alan Brazil, <laughs> who has given me about fifteen different nicknames at this point, and I'm. Pretty sure still doesn't know my actual name from when I've been going in and doing these bloody paper reviews on. Uh, my my, my dad
3: days. loves the loves the fact that he apparently calls you Big Ginge. Is that accurate? Big
1: Ginge, yeah. Is, isn't, is, isn't he? Isn't he also a big Ginge? Uh, yeah, he's he's got certainly a bit of Ginge about him, and he's certainly a big fella. But I get Big Ginge, Big Gav, big Gav. Will Gav, Big Will. Uh, there there are a lot of different. Names that get thrown around, but Big Ginge is uh, is certainly the, the the moniker of choice. It'll
3: be Willie. Uh, is is, is yeah. my nickname of of Free Willy still your favourite, mate uh, Well, you're
1: my favourite, and that's the main thing. Thanks,
3: Matt.
2: You're certainly his wife's favourite.
1: <laughs> I don't have heard this. <laughs> I can't believe that you weren't aware of this and you found this news sensational. My my wife just really likes sherry. And when I brought this up in a, in a WhatsApp group, not only was Sherry stunned by it, but when I told my wife that, she went, yeah, he's great, I love him.
2: Not to there shoot you go. down, though, Sherry, his wife does love everybody. I don't know if that's true. Oh, what? what? It... She... No, no, no,
1: don't worry, she loves you. <laughs> okay, phew. Okay, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, but everybody loves you, are Yeah, that's true. Uh,
1: does she love you, though, how, how, how sensitive did he get there in the blink of an eye? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope so. I hope she loves me. Fingers crossed. Um, this, this has all been a bit of a waste of time, if not. Uh, right, let's talk about the FC games. Do we pull off the Band-Aid, as the Americans Yeah, rip say. it off
2: and finish with the big one.
1: Yeah, love that. Love that. Um, do you remember when the Titans went 7 nothing up and uh, there was a brief glimmer of, I still expect the Patriots to win here, but maybe it'll be a tighter game than we expected. And then the Patriots just clamped down on them in that classic, you know, boa constrictor slowly wrapping slow around face <laughs> choking them to death. And do you know what? There's going to be a lot of talk about the officiating in this game. And there were some absolute shockers. The, um, the fourth down reversal of the punt when the centre clearly moved his head. And there were a couple of others as well. But... You gotta ref better than the you gotta play better than the ref's ref, and it did like at the end of the day, the officiating didn't actually matter to the outcome of this game. The Patriots were just a far superior team to the Tennessee Titans.
3: I'd be interested to know what score they could have won by had they attempted to. Like, I honestly think they could have won by fifty if they wanted to. Because the second half <laughs> they took their foot off the gas, didn't they? Uh yeah in a
1: massive way Um, look
2: let's do you think that's a case Sherry of not wanting to reveal all of your uh, you know keeping the cards close to your chest and and not wanting to reveal all of your, your playoff plays as it were and and... I
3: mean, maybe. And what was interesting to me is there was a drive where Tom Brady and Gronk clearly said to said to each other, look, man, I'm just going to throw the ball to you. Let's throw it on Bayard and shut him up after what he'd said before the game. They did that, and then they just shut up shop. And it was, honestly, I, I've never seen... It was the worst team in the playoffs against the best team in the playoffs. And, and I include the... When the playoffs were at their original failed in that, because there is no way in hell the Titans should have been in the playoffs. Never mind in this game,
1: ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think the thing is, the Chiefs would have put up more of a fight in New England. I genuinely believe that, but they they did, yeah. they did self. Implode uh, last weekend, which is why the Titans were there. And, and I appreciate that Marcus Mariota came out and had a good second half. But I think in this game, we saw all the issues that Mariota had offered up to us on a plate and the issues there were with the play calling. And, you know, I've maybe been a little bit. A little bit harsh on Malaki as a man who has come out and managed to turn around what's been a pretty terrible team and give them two winning seasons and a playoff victory. I do think he's taken the team as far as he can with what his limited offensive skill set offers. But, you know, they have had two good seasons, the Titans. I just don't think he suits what Mariota does. I, and I think that you've got to give John Robinson. Former Patriots man, of course, a huge amount of credit for what he's managed to do with the roster. Um, but it, how Titansy is it that they have managed to look like they were going to extend their head coach, then end up you know, leaving by mutual agreement in the airiest of air quotes I can do. And now it still looks like they're going to miss out on Josh McDaniels, even though he's a Patriots yeah, I mean, guy and he should be going and working with the other Patriots guy like we all expected. <laughs> And
3: to a division yeah, title as think, well. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it was clear from the way Robo was talking that McDaniels had a great get the Annapolis. And, and I think that McDaniels isn't now going to renege on that because the Titans have decided to open their job up again. So it's just comedy hour, isn't it? It really is comedy hour. The, the only thing I would say is the Patriots' defence is a lot better than people think at this point. And... I think they showed that. The, the pass rush has improved. Their run defence is way better than the numbers suggest. I, I think the period... To, listen, at this point, I'd be fairly surprised if they didn't get to the Super Bowl. And I'd, I'd be moderately surprised if they didn't win it. So I would we'll... say
2: that if they don't win it, all three of them should go. Because it, it's a travesty. If they don't win the Super Bowl from here, given the quarterbacks that they're going up against... OK, they're going up against some really good defences, three of the top
3: five, but... You know, if yeah, I uh, mean, if, if you they don't the make quarterback, it, they... if you look at the quarterback matchups, it's insane, isn't it? I mean, I'm pretty confident. The only thing that people ignore with the Patriots, and, and this is a victim of success, and it's it's not something that you should ever complain about. But I mean, three of probably their best seven players are on IR at the moment, and there's not a lot of they, they overcome it, so it gets taken for granted. And they've done a great job of overcoming it this year because if you'd have said to me before the season you'd have lost Edelman, Hightower and Cannon who's become probably the best offensive linemen I'd have said, well, they're probably in a bit of trouble but they won it without Gronk last year and I think they can win it without those three this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: uh, superb. Really good work. But like. yeah,
3: I mean, the, the, when, I mean, I go... When you look at it from a pure black and white perspective, Tom Brady against what's left, you have to think that the has a team ever been bigger favourites to win the Super Bowl at this point in the season? Not sure they have. <laughs>
1: I'm going to interrupt our own podcast here because I totally, totally forgot that we had some audio to give you. Uh, Brilliantly from Jamie Cuttridge. He went out, massive Titans fan and and a really good journalist as well. He can read his piece on the NFL this weekend uh, and the Tom Brady juggernaut continuing to roll on uh, on the independent website. We tweeted it from Gridiron as well. But he did, as a Titans fan, decide to just drop everything, fly to Boston, go to this playoff game, it's a bit rough on him exactly how that worked out but he went to the locker room for, for gridiron afterwards and for talk sport and went and got us some audio so we're going to bring you a, a few of those interviews we'll start off with trey flowers pass rusher for the uh for the new england patriots uh, let's hear what he had to say when he spoke with jamie
0: eight sacks for you guys today six different ones are You, what are you, you doing to get after marcus with such regularity
5: uh yeah, we was just uh make sure we kept him in the pocket. We knew how dangerous he was once he get out of the pocket. He broke a couple times, but um, you know, I just assessed that to the, you know, the guys definitely along the line, and then you know the back end just covering that guys, making him, you know, go away from his first read. And so now he's looking at the rush, and you know we able to get a lot of penetration from, you know, the guys up front, and and um, you know, we 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 got to him quite quite a bit, so.
0: What changed as the game went on? Because you know, they, big big drive in the first quarter, they went ahead, yeah. and then they and then they couldn't move the ball yeah. at all until right at the end. What changed?
5: Oh yeah, we just understood that um, you know everything that they got on their drive, we we gave it to them. I think they had a third down pickup from the from the quarterback. You know, and, you know, they hit us with a, a, a few few more situational plays and things like that. So, you know, once we calmed down and understood what they, how, they was, how they was attacking us, you know, we just settled down and, and made them adjustments and, um, you know, we ended the game pretty good.
0: And looking ahead to next week two really different teams like how do you begin to get your head into next week's game
5: um you know we, we just gonna enjoy this one you know uh you know it, it took a lot to get here a lot of hard work and things like that so you know we just gonna enjoy this one and you know uh, see who our opponent is when it comes tomorrow and you know prepare for them and such so.
0: and hate to ask finally but um obviously there have been a ton of stories about the patriots in the last week or so how, how much motivation has that been for you guys has it been talked about in the locker room at all
5: oh no it wasn't no talk so we understand we got one goal and that's you know that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's the only goal is just to win each and every game so you know everything else is you know is minute as far as to our main goal and what, what we're trying to achieve not done right Oh, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, we're not done. we got to keep on going, keep on preparing, and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, continue this drive.
1: That's Trey Flowers. Uh, let's hear from the – he also spoke to James Harrison, Brandon Cooks, but but let's hear from the Titans locker room. Adoree Jackson, who had a brilliant rookie season, coming up momentarily. But first of all, we'll hear from Taylor Lewan top tackle and he starts off as every good british journalist should by asking him whether or not he had any reaction to the london game announcement the fact the titans were coming over to play the chargers in
3: 2018 uh i saw it i'm i'm very interested i've never been across the pond before so i'm
0: very uh very excited to see everything um but that's so far away yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard to say yeah, yeah, um excited about next season generally though you feel like this team's gonna get better yeah i really do think this team's
3: gonna be better i think this team's gonna be I mean, if you look at it, we were top eight teams in the league this year. And I think um, we have a lot to improve on, which is really special,
0: especially as much as we've underachieved and ended up, you know, ended the divisional round of the playoffs. It's uh, pretty huge. Do you take like learning opportunities away from tonight? Like in six months time, you're going to be able to reflect on it and go, actually there's a lot we can learn from it.
3: I I think at this point, yeah. I mean, you need to learn from, you need to learn from week week to week, but um, I think at one point in the year, before OTAs I will take a time and I'll watch the film of every single game and reflect on and myself as a player and where I can improve and where I was uh, where my strengths were and where my weaknesses were and, and just do my best to, to improve on the weaknesses and keep my strengths my strengths
0: Adore, obviously it's disappointing right now but first rookie season in the NFL make the playoffs and, and get a win in the playoffs how are you going to look back at this first season?
4: I uh, just got to take away the positive and then if the negatives that happen we um, just got to try to correct them that's pretty much as you do you don't look too much on the positive you see what you did well you work on those but the negatives you got to correct them uh twice as much
0: so if you look back what are the biggest positives you take away
4: the biggest positives I think just progressing uh throughout the year understanding being situational uh throughout you know throughout the year as like it kept going progressing and progressing
0: and what do you reckon you need to work on <sighs>
4: Um, the situation, you know, of the game. Um, you know, at some points, you know, I was good, but others, you know, I can be better at. And you know, just understanding, you know, what's going on, what the team wants to do, in, in that sense. So, working on that situational being smarter uh, in the back end.
0: And looking ahead to next season, is this a team that's on the up?
4: Uh, the Titans, yeah, yeah I believe, um, and I think everybody else, you know, that, that sees us, you know, that, uh, believes we're on the up.
0: And obviously, next season a bit different. You got a trip over to my side of the pond. You're coming over to London. You excited about that?
4: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's gonna be cool. I've uh, Seen you know, other teams go to London uh, when I was watching on you know, college and, and whatever it may be, and you know, for us to go out there and then have some fun. Uh, hopefully, that shows a good time out there. Yeah,
0: we will. We'll see you over there. Nice one. Thanks, one man.
1: So that was the Dory Jackson Taylor the One and Trey Flowers. Right now, let's return back to the podcast as usual. Just a little bonus bits, and thank you again to the brilliant Jamie Cuttridge. Follow him on Twitter at Jamie Cuttridge. <laughs> I think I think that's what you said about the Vikings matchup. I do think the Vikings match up to them really well, um, as, w- as well as any team probably can do plus, at this point. Plus, the and,
2: Vikings will have home field advantage if they make it, and that as we saw the way um, they managed to get back into the game, or going up, going ahead, and then getting back into the game and winning on the final thing, and th- the way that crowd was, I just that can't be underestimated. The home field advantage, or would it be? Detrimental. We don't know. We're it's, it's we're a long way away from it.
3: So it's like, if, if the uh, Vikings are willing, if the Vikings are willing to turn to Sam Bradford early in the Super Bowl, then I would give them a very, very good chance of beating the Periods. If the dawn I think the Periods would win.
1: Here's a. Here's, here's a. I feel like a bit of a Scrooge here, but I um, just uh, out of left field because I know we've already talked about the Vikings, but just because you brought it up again, then the NFC are the road team this year. They should be in the road team locker rooms. They should be practising at the University of Minnesota facility, not the Vikings facility. They've stated that if the Vikings make it to a home Super Bowl, they will switch that round. I think that's unfair. How,
3: how unfair is that? It, it's totally...
1: I, I wonder yeah, but how big the are going to It's likely to be the Patriots that go there. You're going you're, no, you're, no, you to say it's unfair. I like As a neutral and as a, a man who will support, as I said, anyone but the Patriots, I, I think that's unfair.
3: I, I'm be interested to, to see what that. level of... Yeah, but I'm interested to see what level of complaint played to get back off that because it, it really isn't acceptable, is it?
1: I thought it was really odd. I just really did. Um... Let's talk because we'll, we'll preview the, the Patriots side of things this weekend and talk more about that team. And oh, I'm sure we're going to get grumbles because we didn't talk enough about the Patriots. It was a great performance, but it was a great performance against a much weaker opposition. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do against the Jags defence this coming weekend, which really matches up against them well and came out the other side of a classic with the Pittsburgh Steelers, 45 to 42. I assume you've both seen this at this point, but a scoreline that was predicted by Calais Campbell just a week earlier incredibly so he,
2: he predicted the actual scoreline
1: what he said was I don't care if we win 2-0 or 45-42 just as long as we win
2: he said 2-0 <laughs> yeah he's I mean, a two big nothing, soccer nothing,
1: fan said. He? he said 2 nothing. Okay, alright mate right, right. I'm your, I'm your storm. it's possible though isn't it
2: yeah yeah well two no nil. it is possible You're... great work thanks Sherry safe yeah safe yeah.
1: um they're, they're, you know, there's an element to this of where I look at it and I go, they were up 21 nothing. they very nearly jagged it up and, and they got back to 28-14 and the Steelers did get within a single score at one point. A lot of people are going to look at how this game went and 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 say, oh, is their defence actually that good though, conceding 42 points, yada yada yada. Game flow has to be taken into consideration with that. But also, if you were to put together the five best Ben Roethlisberger touchdown throws of the last three years of his career, four of them of his career, four of them would potentially come from this game. Uh, He did some insane things with the ball when it came to those two fourth down throws uh, that that turned into that turned into touchdowns, and yet four of his five touchdowns on the day were just the prettiest of touchdown throws you'll see, where the coverage was great, where the pressure was there, and where Ben Roethlisberger just absolutely rolled back the years. But it wasn't enough. And do you know why it wasn't enough? And do you know why it's never going to be enough? Because the the Patriots, because the Steelers are not a well-coached team. And it's so
3: good that people are starting to say that now, isn't
1: it? (laughs) Because oh, this you are you was, are on the smuggest of smug mountains on this because you have been banging this table for a long time. But it is it's true. It's just I believe that with just, a better coach, Ben Rossburg would at least the, at least have a third ring. At least
3: the, the, the most talented team in the NFL. Just look at the individual plays that were made in that game against that defense. The, it it was the biggest indictment of the Steelers ever. That game it was. And, and do you know what? It's totally predictable. And when you've got your best running back or your star running back tweeting before the game that you're going to have two round two games or whatever, and Mike Mitchell talking about how they're going to beat the Patriots, are you really surprised when the head coach is talking in November, November, about the AFC Championship game? It was absolute karma. And, and I loved it. I, I would have <laughs> rather, as a Patriots plan... Patriots fan played the Jaguars, uh, played the Steelers. Sorry, in the championship games, I think that it, it would have been a much easier game. No, but no, no, right
1: th- still proved to be a problem, exactly as it was yeah. done against the Patriots.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And how how you couldn't thoroughly enjoy watching that unravel
1: on Sundays beyond me because it was hilarious. Let's Absolutely talk, hilarious. Let's just talk about the fourth down attempts because there <laughs> were there were there, there were four of them in the game. Two of them, turned, four of them. I can't remember if there was another one towards the end, but four significant ones during the game for the Steelers. Two of them turned into ridiculous touchdown throws. The other two, what are you doing? Shoveling it or pitching it, whatever you want to call it, out into the backfield when you've got at the centre of your line that includes DeCastro and Pouncey, you're going up against a team who quietly aren't that great against the run in those short distance situations in the Jaguars and that's somewhere that the Patriots could have some some big play this coming weekend and you go and make his, and you've got Le'Veon Bell and that centre of your line and you don't just go, let's run up Go, or do you know what, your quarterback is literally called Big Ben sneak the ball when you're in fourth and inches if a man called Big Ben, who is as big as half the lineman he's facing, can't move the ball six inches, I'd be absolutely stunned. The play calling was truly dreadful. Oh. And the, the thing is, they're also the
3: fastest defence in the NFL, so why would you ever toss the ball outside?
1: Yes! Think? <laughs> the linebackers, the closing Jay. speed of that linebacking pair of Miles Jack and Telvin Smith, is as ludicrous as as you know Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright in their in their pomp before we had injury problems and stuff this year. And it is seven yard insanity, the
2: seven yard pitch back uh, on on the fourth and one, and Jalen Ramsey stuffs it. And Ramsey's been doing that all throughout the season. And they obviously spotted what was going to happen. And it was it was laugh it it was laughable. I was listening to the, uh, the the Jags radio cast with Baselli and Frank Frangi and Jeff Lagerman. I think one of them actually laughed. It was it was it, <laughs> was, it was
3: incredible. Yet, yeah, yet yeah, to even get into the, the the decision to onside kick. What are you doing, Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I the, the the thing is with that. Right. There is... There's a world where you go, OK, your defence has been able to do nothing to stop them today, and but, but is there an it had in the, the, the second half. But even so... They absolutely stopped for the majority of the second half. But when the Jags needed a drive, when things got really tight, they put two of them together. They did manage to do that. You have to say that. And... Do you know what was really stunning about it? The very first drive of the game, and part of this is the Ryan Shazier missing thing, but the first drive of the game, the Jags come out and they get a big play action p- completion to to kick the game off. You're like, oh, nice little chunk play, an early first down. Uh, you know, Blake Bortles has already completed for nearly a quarter of the yardage he threw through the air last week uh, on one play. Uh, Oh, that was a nice little play to open us up. They'd expect him to go back to the ground. They then completed another two play-action passes back-to-back. Like, three play-action passes to kick off the game for 55 yards. If you've not established the run yet, you should not be selling out to it for three straight play-action passes for them to go down the field and march and get a touchdown like that. And yes, the turnover, the Miles-Jack interception, helped them establish that 21-0 lead. But... We do have to give a little bit of love to the Jags game plan, to the to the offensive play calling. Bortles wasn't the, the level that he was over that three-game stretch against some not great defences where he really did come hey, out and, the, and sling the ball around. The, but they did what they needed to do and they did it well. And the the, the the receivers in that game, it's absolute filth when you look at who caught the limited passes in that game because it's all one pass to Tommy Bohannon for a touchdown for 20 odd yards one pass to this tight end for 20 odd yards one pass to that tight end for 20 odd yards it does not look good on the Steelers the, the, and the worst part for me is
3: and, and if anybody wants to go back and watch it feel free how many times did the Steelers get them in third and long and then play about 15 yards off coverage oh my and gift them a first down you can't do that just Stay jam through. them at the
1: line of scrimmage they threw short of the sticks to to TJ Yeldon, to Ben Koyak, to James O'Shaughnessy. All of those guys received third and long passes, three or four yards short of the sticks, and made a relatively easy first down.
2: There was one play uh, where... Uh, the, the the play had broken down and big uh, big Ben uh, Blake Bortles is rushing through onto the left hand side and his lead blocker is uh, T J Yeldon and by the way T J Yeldon had an incredible game and Yeldon just levels I think it's Malcolm Mitchell absolutely levels him with this massive block and Bortles scrambles for the first down Bortles was really good with his legs thirty five yards but what I really want to give some props to and I, as I said I was listening to the the Jags radio cast whilst watching the game on Sky. And Buscelli, uh a legend on that offensive line, was calling out various members of that offensive line for some incredible play. And Jeremy Parnell had a, an amazing game. Cam Robinson, who has had a pretty tricky year, also had a great game. And it's backed up by the stats. Blake Balls wasn't sacked once. He wasn't even touched once by that that, that Steelers uh, uh- pass rush. It, it was... It was imperious from that offensive line. It gave Blake Bortles the time to set up those screen passes, to set up those runs. And in all of this, we haven't spoken about how good Leonard Fournette was. He left the game with an injury. He came back the second half, three touchdowns. I just thought it was a a perfect game from the offensive line point of view. And from there, everything else offensively managed to do what they needed to do to get the win. Back that up with the defense, which came up with some big plays. I just maybe it's because I was listening to that that radio cast and how pro those guys were. I loved this game. I thought it was one of the best games I've ever seen. And had I stayed up to watch the the next game, it would have been the best day of football that probably there has ever been. Best day of playoff football there's ever been, and I loved it. It was good. Sorry, that's my, that's my, that's my piece. <laughs>
1: I loved it. Uh, yeah, I have to say about the uh, about that offensive line, great play out of Cam Robinson, the the young man, and, and great play out of a couple of guys in the likes of Patrick Amami and AJ Can, who I've had some doubts about uh, over time. I still worry about them as a pure run-blocking line. I think they're a much better pass protection line than that. But uh, against uh, a Patriots pass rush, which... Yeah, I know that they showed up against the Titans and there was an element of them losing uh, their right tackle obviously that, that didn't help with that situation and they got a, a, a record eight sacks and, and whatever it was there was a lot of game flow about those sacks I, I, that's that's a matchup that I think is interesting this weekend obviously the Jags defense on the on the Patriots get, being able to get into Tom Brady's face they're going to have to play a, a near perfect game this weekend if they're going to get a win but you know, this is if there is a team who can go in there and they've got that swagger and they're an exciting young team who can go in and play without fear in New England and put together the the right game to go there and get a win. I genuinely believe it's the Jags, and who would have thought that twelve months ago?
3: And I think one thing that I've liked the last few days is to see Doug Marrone finally getting some props because he did. a, I mean, I think it was nine and seven his one year of Buffalo, and he's done an unbelievable job this year with the Jaguars and. You feel like he just never gets anything like enough credit, but it's nice to see him finally getting getting due respect because he's done a, he's done a fantastic job this year.
1: Yeah, brilliant stuff. Right, um, we'll preview the matchups in more depth and really pick them apart in a podcast later this week. But a brilliant weekend of playoff football, all in all. Um, should we, there, there are a couple of other bits of news we need to talk about. We we did touch on what was happening with Tennessee and Mike Malarkey leaving and, and where they're going to go next. We have had some appointments, uh, et cetera, since we last spoke as well and some various bits and pieces going on. It now looks like Pat Shermer is ending up with the New York Giants and is ending up with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, how are we feeling? I mean, Josh McDaniels with Andrew Luck. If Andrew Luck is fit and healthy could be filthy but that is something that I I am in no way taking for granted at this point
3: yeah I mean the, the, the rumors are that he's potentially fighting for his career and it looks so we'll say I think that one either it becomes a I think the one good thing about it is he has a good relationship apparently with Ballard that has been built over the last 12 months with kind of this in the offense so I think the luck situation obviously bears watch but even if it does even if it does go badly then hopefully them two would be given a long term chance together but, but worry would be the ownership there but it's a, it's a great hire for the Colts and probably one of the more exciting days for the Colts in recent memory
1: yeah I think so and I think Josh McDaniels getting him out from underneath the Titans. I think that's really... I was excited about the idea that we were going to have a Josh McDaniels-led Titans, a Texans led by Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson, this Jags team that have gone to the AFC Championship game, all in the same division, and then potentially somebody exciting coming into work with Andrew Luck. I- I'm really... This could become a power division, which is amazing, considering how regularly it's been the division of disgrace.
2: Well, we but, saw with the last division of disgrace, the NFC South going from, uh, well, one of the last divisions of disgrace to going from strength to strength this year. So it
3: can happen. And, and it's already, it's already there, isn't it? I mean, two of the final four this year from the from the conference. So, so what we're saying yeah, the is, the NFC South's on the rise.
2: What we're saying is, if you are branded the Gridiron Show's division of disgrace, things will look up for you in the next one or two years. So you know, good luck. Yeah.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. Um, the the Titans are speaking with apparently this week they've asked for permission to speak with Mike Vrabel, uh, Matt Lafleur. That seems like a little quick for Matt Lafleur to go from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator to head coach in the space of three seasons. But well, you, the, you never know. It's the
3: same as Vrabel, though, isn't it?
1: Meteoric so rises. Me, well. mm, they are. They are early both of those appointments what kind of coach do you want to see Tennessee appoint if they if they can't somehow snatch McDaniels out from underneath the Colts which is looking unlikely at this point
3: do you want me to tell you who they should have appointed and they should have set the yes. in motion in this earlier on Chip Kelly is who they
2: should have
1: uh, given the job to um, yeah I'm not so sure on that do you
2: know what I am no, Chip fully Ke- on board Chip with Kelly would
3: have been with Marcus Mariota he'd have been he'd have been amazing with Mariota yeah. it, it it, may, it should have happened two years ago when they first gave Malachi the job permanently. The The whole coaching career of Chip Kelly in the NFL would have changed and the whole direction of the Titans would have changed if they'd have made that move. So now I think you need to look for a guy similar to him. I mean, Pat, Pat Shermer is another guy who'd worked with Chip Kelly, so he might have been a guy there as well. But obviously, again, by, by going about it in the way that they have, They've, they've taken themselves out of the running for all these guys and are kind of picking off the scraps.
2: Is Shermer the right guy to work with Eli?
3: It depends if he wants to, doesn't it? I think Shermer... I, I wouldn't read a lot into what he did with the Browns. I mean, the Browns are a farce, a complete dumpster fire. He's rebuilt his reputation. So, yeah, I think it's a good hire. I like the Shermer hire. I like giving guys a second chance if i'm the titans i think the best candidate out there is jim schwartz still and i'm mm. stunned he hasn't had more interest he did a really solid job with detroit i mean they were on 16 when he took over got them to playoffs within a couple of seasons he's going to turn around that defense he just needs to bring the right offensive coordinator along but he would absolutely be the number one guy who's actually available for me
1: I think that it's interesting as well with, um, uh, with with Jim Schwartz. He's a guy who is very easy to be a kind of like to hate kind of guy because uh, you know, let's not forget that he got his team to carry him off the field after a regular season win when he was uh, when you know he was defensive coordinator. And he is a guy who uh, sometimes with the Lions allowed his personality and his uh, approach to the game to eclipse exactly what the guys exactly what that team could have potentially achieved but I do think that stepping back down to coordinator and having the couple of years it feels like he's just chilled out a little bit and they, he called a really good game this past weekend and I do think another head coaching opportunity for Jim Schwartz should be round the corner and I think that's a really good shout oh,
3: Okay,
1: great work mate
3: there's the guy there's the guy there's the guy at Berla as well isn't there who I think interviewed for the Colts job who um, whose neighbours just completely escaped me, but he's a guy who there's Matt apparently some Ruhle. buzz about around the league as a yeah, as an NFL guy. So maybe somebody like that as well would be interesting.
1: Yeah, I'd be kind of stunned if they did go to a college head coach, but maybe that's what your kind of offense needs to to get firing. Um, what are the what What are the other jobs? So we talked about. So we talked about Nagy. We talked about Gruden, Sherman, and McDaniels, we've still got the Cardinals, the Lions, and and the Titans jobs. Still open, and there's lots of offensive coordinator uh, goings on and machinations well, that, that, the, and things happening. The the
3: lion's um, job isn't
1: open either, is it? It's Patricia. Well, isn't it? Patricia's got the lion's job, hasn't he? Yeah. It, it is. Uh, are we are we pretty like hundred? Yeah, that on that, 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 was the first, that
3: that was the first. That was the first domino that fell to lead to um, these guys getting the jobs. Patricia Schefter reported on Sunday. And that's no, a great they, landing spot for him, and I think it's I think it's great for the Lions as well because they're probably going to keep Jim Bob Cuda, who's another name that might interest Tennessee actually. But um, yeah, they they might keep him provided something like that doesn't happen. And yeah, I think Patricia working with a guy he knows well is is huge. I think that's great for both Bob Quinn and for Matt Patricia.
1: I think I would much rather see Jim Bob Cooter stick around in Detroit and work with that offense another couple of years and work with Matt Stafford and because they've done some pretty impressive things with a, a receiving core with a lot of second tier talent but no top-tier talent uh, with with a running back with, with a pair of running backs with a lot of potential who have never managed to, to elevate themselves above that level you know a bit more talent on the offensive side and and they certainly need to to get more play more quality play out of a defense which has got two or three pieces that I think we all really like there and um, you know, Jared Davis had a brilliant rookie year, Darius Slade's great. Uh, yeah, I I I really like that appointment as well. So some sensible head coaching appointments going on, isn't that exciting? Yeah, the Titans I, I, are going to find I don't hate to any it, of I'm them sure. really
3: except for maybe Yeah, the will Oh god, who are they gonna appoint? They might they might trade ten first round picks for Hugh Jackson.
1: <laughs> oh. It's, sometimes bad team staying bad is just good fun.
3: And yet, and, y- and, and, and yet, it would still be a much, much better option than who they had last year.
1: Oh, poor Mike Mularkey! Poor Mike Mularkey! Uh, guys, is there uh, anything we talked about Schottenheimer already? We've talked about um, we, we talked. Did we talk about Schottenheimer and the situation with that that Seahawks team and, and the Tom Cable going, I'm trying to remember if we did talk about that last have week.
3: Have you have you seen who they've appointed as defensive coordinator?
1: No. no.
3: Ken Norton Jr., yeah, who yeah. was an absolute disaster zone in Oakland. <sighs> and it was meant to be your assistant head coach, Will. Yeah, I was going to say. But he, and... had a, he, had a cla- he had a clause in the contract with the 49ers that said that if the Seattle defensive coordinator job was offered to him, he could take it. So, Seattle's cleaning House is go back to a guy who is a monumental failure as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, and also get a guy who was a monumental failure as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Interesting.
1: I, I, the the Seahawks situation is one that we should dig into more deeply in the uh, in the the off season. But I heard them talking about this on uh, on the MMQB. Um, we absolutely rip into that offensive line and the problems they have there. But the offensive scheme is a huge problem. And obviously when Russell Wilson does scramble early and sees Ghost, that does make it more difficult for an offensive line to look good. But there's not a, there's not a player on that line who is anything lower than a second round pick. And three of those guys they brought in themselves, they picked themselves. The entire right side of their line in Justin Britt, Ethan Posick and Jermaine Effedi were picked in the first or second round by the Seahawks. And then the left-hand side of their line, they've got Dwayne Brown and Luke Jokel, both former first-round picks. And they can't get any quality of play out of them. People talk about them like they're a bunch of no-name guys from the sixth and seventh round have been picked up off the scrap heap and thrown together. There is a point where you've got to look at the coaching and say this isn't very good. And so I'm glad that they're changing it. I'm not quite sure they've got in the right direction with it. I agree with that man. So do I. Great. I think Ollie's desperate for this to end, so let's Massive. go. Yeah. He's, sorry, I didn't realise we got to two o'clock and he's got to go do his job. Uh, Ollie, pop it in my folder, mate. Thank you very much, buddy. Sherry, great work. Ollie, great work, as always. Uh, don't forget those amazing deals on the AFC and NFC Championship game uh, at trips.com forward slash playoffs. I genuinely was a little bit stunned when I went on there and read those out. They're really, really good deals. So you could still get to a game this weekend and go and see your team in action in a championship game. And Sherry went to Denver a couple of years ago and will tell you, it's awesome.
3: It's awesome. Thanks. Not as awesome as just being given this wonderful opportunity to be on the Will Gavin show. Thanks man. It's off. And still,
2: it goes uh, on.
1: Uh, <laughs> right, Ollie, go do your job. Thank you, everyone, for listening. At Gridiron on Twitter, TouchdownTrips.com to get hit up those guys. Find us as well, uh, and we'll see you later in the week for our preview of the weekend and roundup of the rest of the news. This has been the the, the Gridiron Show. Hey.